the longest yard and hungry for more. No. Jack and Josh <laughs> meet up with their I'm old proud Josh Bigelow European Gigolo. <laughs> Absolutely not. Do it this proper. It's <laughs> truly Apple Madison, okay? I can't. Do it properly. Finishing the longest no. yard. No. <laughs> I don't want this record to go for hours. Do it properly. <laughs> In your beautiful Why voice. In your beautiful voice. It's don't, me, Alan. I know that's the name of his character. Don't ever say Whitey. Oh, Mr. Big Shadow V. Doesn't like it when I say my name. Oh, my God. Have you had the carbon monoxide meter checked? Maybe <laughs> you and I go a little one on one on the basketball court. I want a patch, you know. Hmm. <laughs> it's a strong start. Oh yeah! No, for fuck's sake! It's your fucking the intro. Best part is that you are editing this one. All of this is staying in. Oh yeah, you know. No, not this bit. Yeah, this season. I don't want to. En- Actually, maybe I'll take it out. I don't want to encourage this behaviour. <laughs> this is the Whitey show now. No. Whitey and Davey. Finishing the longest yard and hungry for more, Jack and Josh meet up with their old pal, Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo. This is Truly Happily Madison. Hello. Hi. Oh, hello. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, well, we're back. Second weekend <laughs> into the new year. Wow. Back once again. It's the Gigolo Master. Oh, is that is that the lyrics? It's Renegade Master in it, but you know it's close I enough. Know. I don't it's know. the same syllables. I'm street. You are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's been proven. I am pretty street. I grew up on the streets of London. Mm, Barnes. They were gold. <laughs> Cock Whittington. How are the streets of Lewes? Huh? How are the streets? Is it Lewes or Lewis? Lewis. <laughs> I just think it's Lewes. Uh, yeah, the streets of Lewis are covered in sourdough crusts and single pound bills from the currency that Lewis has. The streets of Lewes are covered in shit. What's this podcast about? Uh, no, because we were talking about Lewis. Lewis. Um, people didn't know. I finished my bit. People didn't know that you were from Lewis. It's the first time we mentioned it. <laughs> That's true. It's vital for my backstory. I like a little bit of like history. Mm. You know, people are learning little bits about Adam Sandler's production company each week, and now they're <laughs> learning little bits about you and me. They're friendly hosts. Like, who are you, Josh Pappenheim? I don't know. I've been asking that question since um, people started asking who Don Draper was. And I still don't know. That's ten years ago, at like, least. Like 2009? 2000? Yeah, sometime like that. Oh, 2000, 2008, maybe? Yeah, it could be, it could be seven. Seven? Not no. Sure. <laughs> no. 
I'm not sure. Well, who are you? Who am I? I? Well, I'm Jack Gregson, and each week your hosts, Jack Gregson and Josh Pappenheim, discuss the entire filmography of Happy Madison Productions from 1999 to current day. Yeah. Oh, we're not at current day yet, though. We're far off. We're in the halcyon days of 2005? Yes. And in a way, Josh, <laughs> I would say this is sort of a landmark episode. Um, yeah, why? <laughs> well, we started this podcast on a, on a wish and a prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a little movie called Juice Bigelow Male Gigolo. Yes, true. And now we have moved on to the first sequel in the Happy Madison catalogue. That's a really good point. Juice Bigelow European Jigolo. <laughs> what a sequel it is. Not the last sequel we'll cover. No. But the first. Isn't it weird that this is the one? I mean, I guess they, they start... Like, we've talked before, Juice Bigelow was a hit. The first Juice Bigelow. Yeah. It was a big hit for a small amount of money. And, in fact, like the next two Happy Madison movies after that, Little Nicky and Joe Dirt, were not hits. Yeah, fucking shite. In the slightest. Little Nicky was a huge bomb. And actually... As soon as the first one came out, they were like, this needs a sequel. Yeah, I mean, what are the other ones you might make a sequel from? Not You're not Master of Disguising 2, are you? You're not the longer-er-erist yards. They, they would have done a Master of Disguise 2 if, the, if that film connected with anyone. <laughs> uh, but alas, it only connected with us and other people who suffered from 9-11. That's a callback, listeners, because we found out that the Turtle Club scene was filmed on 9-11. Yeah, so I, it's, it's, I'm trying to think of... I, I guess they would have done a Little Nicky sequel, if that, again, if that was popular. Do you think? Because that seems like a character you could do. You could do, like, another sort of hell story, couldn't you? I mean, you could. I wouldn't want to see it. But then how many of these films that we're watching do I actually want to see? That's a question I ask myself many nights. Nine Crazy Nights? Nope. <laughs> that could be fun. Or it could be like eight crazy nights, and then it could be like 12 crazy Christmas days or something. I don't know. It'd be more focused on Whitey. Yeah, and his... Yeah, I like that idea! <sighs> you just had to... <laughs> I'm just too busy producing the podcast now to do anything! I don't know! Uh, yeah. That's Whitey, our producer. <laughs> That's Whitey, our producer. Where's he calling in from? He's here. He sits. He's got his own little Zoom window. That's nice. Yeah, but where physically is he? Whitey, where are you? Oh, I'm just here in my cabin. I didn't know you lived in a cabin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been living here for six years now since Eleanor passed away. So bleak. Yeah. <laughs> so bleak. He doesn't get to bang his sister anymore. Hey. hey. Now he's all sad. Don't say mean words about my sister. <laughs> knock your block off. Wait, did you make a... Wait, give me a second. Did you make... Whitey, did you make her a Portuguese breakfast? Or did you give her a sneaky Castro? Or a Belgian steamer? At first I thought you were asking what I made her on the day she died. <laughs> now I think you're talking inappropriately. So I'm going to mute myself before I say something I can't take back. Thank God. Um, I hope you die. Goodbye. <laughs> See you soon. He's he's shouting at the screen, but he's muted himself. Oh, that's good news. Oh. Uh, 
Okay. How dare you, Josh? He, this show would not be <laughs> released each week if it wasn't for the courageous acts of YD Duval. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. You know, for... Oh, I can't think of an analogy. I'm thankful for beef for steaks, but I don't want to hug the cat. Actually, I do want to hug the cow. This is shit. Okay, you know what I'm yeah, saying. I don't know what is happening now. <laughs> You can't. Give I thought me it was that. weird enough. You can't give me that after having an entire conversation with yourself. With then... myself? <laughs> Are you implying that I am whitey? Oh, uh, I'm sick of this. Do you want a storyline for Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo listeners? For that is the film that we are chatting about today. I guess if we have to have... I mean, is there a storyline to... I guess there is a storyline Yes, there's a storyline. There is, there is. I'm being... I'm being mean. You're being ironical. So the storyline. Deuce Bigelow, played by Rob Schneider, goes to Amsterdam after a little accident, including two irritating kids and a bunch of aggressive dolphins. There, he meets up with his old friend TJ Hicks, played by Eddie Griffin, but a mysterious killer starts killing some of Amsterdam's finest gigolos, and TJ is mistaken for the extremely gay murderer. Deuce must enter the gigolo industry again to find the real murderer and clear TJ's name. Written by Morty underscore man 91. Thank you, Morty man 91. Uh, <laughs> doing God's work. Do you want the stats? Yeah, give me some stats. So this is directed by Mike Bigelow. No relation. Again, doesn't exist. <laughs> He's not directed anything before or since. He doesn't exist. <laughs> he has apparently uh, he'd done a few commercials before this movie. Mm. Um, Bigelow spelt differently, though. This is B-I-G-E-L-O-W. Like Catherine? Yes. Mm. But it's not Catherine. She thinks Catherine Bigelow <laughs> secretly doing it oh it could be just to pay off some bills uh this film stars as as josh mentioned rob schneider hey. eddie griffin hey. uh jerome Crabbe, yeah. johnny vaughan and <laughs> alex zane you're forgetting the biggest star in this film rachel stevens rachel stevens <laughs> <laughs> rachel stevens with no lines well you don't need it and <laughs> someone i literally screamed as they came on screen, Till Schweiger. Oh, Till Schweiger. <laughs> Till Schweiger. I don't know. I thought you were going to scream at Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen? No, I'm not. I don't want to be near him. I screamed at Johnny Vaughan and Alex Zane. Yeah. I've hung out with Alex Zane a few times. Have you? Yeah. At Fright Fest parties. <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, it's not. I've been in a screening with him. That's it. Name drops all over the shop. I'm sure I've been to a screening with him. Probably at Fright Fest. Uh, this... I wish I'd been to a screening with Johnny Vaughan. I miss Johnny Vaughan. Did you think about that? I mentioned that Johnny Vaughan was in this film to someone, and they did not know who he was. Oh, no. And I tried to describe who Johnny Vaughan was, and realised I was just describing who Alex Zane was. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Alex Zane slash, what's his name? The, the one, Chris. I can't remember if it was Alex Zane or Johnny Vaughan who reviewed this movie and only gave it three stars. <laughs> and Mark Commode would always bring up that they could only bear to give this movie three stars despite the fact they were actually in it. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> awful. Um, this film came out on the 12th of August, 2005. Mm -hmm. 2005 is a big year for Happy Madison movies. You got this... 
you got The Longest Yard. Yeah. And you've also got um, Grandma's Boy. Oh, shit, is that coming It's coming up. Fuck. That's the one that all my friends watched at school and I never watched. Because <laughs> you had better taste or you weren't invited to those sorts of parties? It was just a film that I was just like, what is, what is this? <laughs> this doesn't exist. It's a boy who lives with his grandma. This film was made for a budget of $22 million. Mm-hmm. $4 million more than uh, what the first was made for. Mm. And that's with travel. <laughs> it's with travel. Yeah. He, he travels all over Europe in this one. He does in that one five-minute montage. <laughs> it is interesting, though, because we were talking last week about The Longest Yard, and that was made for $82 million. Yeah. It looks a lot better than this movie. Yeah, no, it really does. And as we mentioned last week, you could finance 24 <laughs> Mean Machines for the same price. <laughs> but at the same time, do you see $60 million more million on screen for The Longest Yard than you do in Juice European Gigolo? Um, uh, no, maybe only in Star Power. Star Power? Well... We say star power. That movie is a lot of wrestlers and football players. Yeah, you know, and Nelly. Yeah, and Nelly. I was working on an episode of MTV's Cribs today, and I got to see Nelly's crib. Oh, how was it? Where does the magic happen? It's funny you say that, because I also got to see Joey Fatone's crib, and he had the line of, um, this is where the magic doesn't usually happen, when he points to his bed. Nice. Very good. What's Nelly's fridge like? Well, what we actually see, because it was just a short clip of his episode of Cribs, and he just said, um, he he told us what his favourite uh, appliance in the kitchen was, and it's the microwave. Oh, that's good. <laughs> He's a man, he likes eating well, and he likes eating quick. <laughs> Maybe not eating well, so I don't Domestic know. Domestic box office. <laughs> <laughs> this film only made $22.4 Oh. This film is a huge bomb. Though it did make $22.7 million overseas. So That's nice. It doubled its budget, but it doesn't account for all the you know printing costs, international fees, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't actually make any money, this film. No. Well, that's very high. I guess the Dutch were just excited to see their... The greatest city portrayed in such a beautiful manner. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. There's a whole like yeah. New Orleans backlash against Simpsons thing going on here. Uh, this film opened at number five behind Four Brothers. Four Brothers. Just one in each box office spot before it. Did you get it? Open at number five behind Four Brothers. Brilliant. Yeah, great. Ah! <laughs> no. Four Brothers opened at number one in its first week. Skeleton Key in number two in its first week. Yeah. Do you remember the Skeleton Key? Um, Do you remember Four Brothers? I, I remember the poster for Four Brothers. It's Mark Wahlberg, one of the Four Brothers. Mark Wahlberg is one of the Four Brothers. As is your friend Garrett Hedlund. Oh, I do like Garrett Hedlund a lot. <laughs> From Troy. <laughs> I've never seen Troy. It's shit. Um, remember the Skeleton Key? Is that... Jim Carrey? No. Oh, that's the number 23. Yeah, the number 23. It rhymes with Skeleton Key. I was thinking the other day, it's the year 2021. 20 plus 2 plus 1, 23. Holy shit. You've blown this wide open. Jim Carrey must be freaking the fuck out. Yeah. (laughs) Now whatever happens in this film might happen. This film? No, the number 23. (laughs) I think this film is based on true events. (laughs) Um, no, what's a skeleton key? Um, skeleton key is a horror movie starring Kate Hudson that deals with hoodoo. Hoodoo. Yeah. 
Is that voodoo? It's like voodoo, but it's hoodoo. Oh, okay. A voodoo day you do. What's a number two? <laughs> That's a number two. The Scouts and Key was a oh, number shit. two. Four Brothers was at number one. Oh, Four Brothers is at number one? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that, all right. What's three? The Dukes of Hazard. Oh, I saw that. It's second week. Hmm. Better than this movie. Yeah? Just. I mean, it turned a hell of a lot of people onto the, um, onto the iconography of the American South and uh, Confederate flags. Yeah. It's that going around at that time. I think, I think the TV show did that first. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but, you know, that had an excuse being the 70s, or it, well, not an excuse. Definitely but, you know, not. I'm pretty sure it's the 80s. Is it? Well, still. Yeah. It's not 2005. <laughs> um, and Wedding Crashes at number four in its fifth week. Number four? Yeah. I would have thought that would would have been one of those ones that just goes on forever, being at, like, number one, number two. I think it was... I think it was at number one for quite a while. Five right, weeks okay. is quite a long time. Yeah, I suppose. I sp- I'm just comparing it to... What's the last one we did? The Longest Yard? No, Mean Machine, where <laughs> where Harry Potter had been at number one or number two for, like, 20 weeks. I don't think that's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 12. Uh, this has a Rotten Tomato score of 9%. Well deserved. It's very low for one of these movies. And yeah, I know, I think this is an appropriately low Rotten Tomato score. Because, Josh, I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> Me too. I hate this movie so much. I really despise this. This is a movie that has so much hatred in it. Mm. This movie hates women. Mm. It hates black people. Yep. It hates uh, gays. Gays that hates the LGBTQ community. No, it specifically hates gays. Oh yeah, that's true. It is just gays. It is specifically so much homophobia against gay straight or gay men in this film. Hates Asian people. It hates Asian people specifically their penises. Yeah, it hates Um, Scottish people. And yet, that might be the best part of the movie. No, it isn't. I'm not letting you... <laughs> you can't let Norm MacDonald get away with anything just because he's Norm MacDonald. <laughs> he does have a charm about him. <sighs> Do you not like the moment where he's just shaving for no reason? No! That was so fucking... Why? Anyway. Do you not like it when he makes the Portuguese breakfast? <sighs> yeah. I mean... I, that, that bit is... Well, they had him for longer than a day. Yeah. This time. He still wishes he had a sitcom, though. He does still wish he had a sitcom. He's had two. Oh. Have I told you that Norm MacDonald follows me on Twitter? <laughs> oh my god, you should tweet him about these episodes that we always hype up Norm MacDonald. I was thinking we should get him on to just do an interview. Oh, yeah. And all I would do is ask him why it was only a minute with Stan Hooper. Is a minute enough? What? He did a sitcom called A Minute with Stan Hooper. Right, okay. Which was a full 22-minute sitcom, but he uh, he played a guy who like did a sports show where he did like a minute on it. was called like, A Minute with Stan Hooper. And all I would ask in my interview... In fact, cut this out, Josh, because when I do <laughs> this interview, which will happen... Yeah, you want it to be a shot. I want it to be people just like, what? Like you were a moment ago. Yeah. <laughs> um. I know last week we talked about... I, actually, did we mention last week that it was the first time we saw the official um, Happy Madison vanity card? 
Was it? Yeah. I didn't even notice that. I don't think we mentioned it. We should have mentioned it. Fucking hell, Josh. That's two things we didn't mention last week. Yeah. Because we also didn't mention the sailor costume that Adam Sandler was supposed to wear. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> We're just dropping the ball all over the place. Might be the weirdest joke in that movie and we didn't mention it. No, I would have really liked to have seen him in that. Um, but it's fine because in this film you get to see Rob Schneider in a baby costume. Wait, wait, I don't want to. I don't want to move away from the vanity. Oh, away from the vanity card. All right, because we need to talk about it because it's also a different vanity card in this film. Is it? Yeah. So the vanity card is. Um, it is Adam Sandler's dad. Yeah. Stan Sandler hitting a uh, golf ball that cracks the screen and then it just says. Happy Madison, and he goes. That's terrific. Is that not what happens in all of them? No, that's what happens usually. Right. This one has um, someone else there. I didn't actually notice who that was. I didn't know. I have no idea who it is. Oh, it's just yeah, it's a random guy. Do you think it's like Rob Schneider's dad? Could be. Because this is a Rob Schneider movie. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Did you think like Sandler's plan was to just put everybody's dads who started? <laughs> is was is Sandler's a is Sandler's dad dead? And B was Sandler's dad dead at the time of this film? If he is dead, I think Sandler's dad died after Fifty First Dates. Right. Okay. I can't be a hundred percent sure. Maybe the dads only make it to the card when they are dead, is what I'm saying. No, no, so, Stan, so Stanley Sandler died in 2003. Okay. I can't find any reason why there is another person in this fantasy card. I looked. Is Rob Schneider's dad dead? I have no idea. Oh, yeah. I know Pilar Schneider has popped up in a few of these movies. Is that the daughter or the mum? The, the mum. Right, okay. L. King does not make an appearance in this one. <laughs> Sad. Um, okay, it's a mystery we'll never know. Marvin Schneider. I don't know. I don't know if Marvin Schneider is alive or dead. Who knows? Who cares? That's his that's his dad. His dad is called Marvin. I quite like the name Marvin. Marvin Mange. Marvin Mange. Oh shit. It all ties together. <laughs> it probably is Rob Schneider's dad. Anyway, enough on the vanity card. <laughs> Josh, get over it. Um <coughs> Yeah, I just do you like this, the Happy Madison vanity card? I mean, it's fine. Josh, we do a whole podcast <laughs> on this production company. I need more from you than I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I mean, I don't get you know, I don't get hype about it. It doesn't make me think. I mean, it does exactly what it sh- what a good vanity card what it should do. Tells you that the film you're watching is terrific is going to be garbage <laughs> this one specifically oh it, but it says that's terrific it does say that's terrific that's true and that is nice so you know you're not you're you're in for a good time because you know the film you're about to watch that's terrific well i wish they'd had it on say 50 first dates because that kind of false advertising of saying didn't have it on 50 first dates that kind of false advertising saying this film is going to be terrific and then it's not as with basically every film that has that card on it, would be the same the same level of letdown that I get watching Fifty First Dates and realising there aren't 50 fucking dates in it because it was meant to be called Fifty First Kisses, but that was apparently too feminine. You see, it's the same level of letdown. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 
So that's how I feel about it. I think it's fine. What do you think? I quite like it because it stands out. It does stand out. You know, it stands out more than like that one where the guy shoots the arrow. Oh, I like that one. Whose is that again? That's TSG, isn't it? Maybe. I don't know. It doesn't stand out. The one he shoots the arrow through all the axes. Yeah. I can't remember whose that is. It's some it's a fame. <laughs> Obviously it's a fame. I like it more I like it more than the uh the one the original film one where it just says original film. I don't even know that one. Um I quite like the Scott Free one. That's quite nice. The Scott Free one's great. Everyone like look, we're talking about Adam Sanders production company <laughs> versus Ridley Scott's production <laughs> yeah, company. Yeah, true. Um, um some of Bad Robots nice. Bad Robots okay. It just makes you think of the ending of Lost and get mad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh that's a little that's a little shout out to our good friend Ben Phillips. Who likes Lost like an idiot? <laughs> um, yeah, that is that is a letdown. How do you feel about it compared to the Marvel vanity card? Um, at least this one's short, <laughs> whereas the <laughs> the Marvel one goes on. It goes on longer and longer and longer and longer every fucking time I see it. Like that the final DC one, one is worse. Is it oh, the DC one where you just see like little shots of all, like CG shots of all the characters? Oh, that's disgusting. But yeah, that Marvel one by Infinity War or the one that comes after Endgame, it goes on for like 20 to 30 seconds. Yeah, because Josh, they've been making films for 10 years. 10 years. And that gives them the right, that gives them the right to take up 30 seconds of a 3-hour run length. It's disgusting. You remember when like Universal did something for like their 75th anniversary and it was like showed you every Universal logo. <laughs> oh my god. That's great. Yeah, that's nice. That's my favorite opening to any movie. I like the character just because I'm slowly working my way through the Mandalorian. This, by the way, I do realize we're ripping off um Blank Check did an episode on the uh, movie opening. Did they? <laughs> yeah, they did an episode on their Patreon. Oh. Well, very quickly I'll say that I really enjoy the Star Wars one that they've got on um The Mandalorian. And then let's move on. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so yeah, this film comes six years after the first movie. Mm. And the first thing I'm just gonna say is this doesn't feel like it's set in the same world as the first movie. Absolutely not. The first one feels so small. <laughs> like, it's such a small story. And this is like fucking international international espionage. There's murder. Why is it a murder mystery? <laughs> it's a murder mystery, Paul! Because they were prepping for 2019's murder mystery. Or was that 2020? I don't even remember. No, that's 2019. Anymore. Yeah. Um, uh... Murder Mystery, a much better film than this. Much better Murder Mystery. It's so... It also seems like Juice Bigelow, male gigolo, mm. there was a sense of a real world to it. Yeah. Not, like, entirely real. Like, the women he went out with definitely were heightened. Caricatures. But, you know, he existed in a world where you could see, like, oh, like his dad working in the toilets. Like, that's something that <laughs> felt like it could exist. I think that still uh, might be the best joke in any of these films. <laughs> started strong. Is. We started strong. Yeah. God, how much better would this movie be if his dad was back in it? Oh, my his God. His dad, the heart of the first movie. Whatever his name was, Raleigh Ritchie. Richard Real. Richard Real. <laughs> 
Roddy Rich is a different guy. This movie is seems to be set in the world of like epic movie or date movie, you know, Fuck, those types so of movies. True. Even down like, to like the the stereotypes walking the streets of Amsterdam. I mean like the American guy or the French guy or, or the, the Canadian, Canadian guy. guy. Like it seems to be the sort of like wacky wacky cartoon comedy. Yeah. Um, but with cops. And of course that yes, that exists in the first movie. But it wasn't everything. This is like they have amped up this sequel so much. Yeah. And it's painful to watch. Like so many people get bricks thrown at them in this movie. Or a bowling ball bowling ball to the, the head. That bounces. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that? Like he drops the bowling ball in the head, and I thought the guy's skull was gonna <laughs> crash in. And it just bounces off, but still plays the sound that a heavy bowling ball has it. Well oh they can't my God, kill this... a man, Jack. He's dead. No, but they can't kill the actor by having his head cracking. Oh, I thought they were gonna do some sort of special they effect. They don't have the budget for it. You saw that scene where um Eddie Griffin's boat has hydraulics and it cuts to the side view. And it's just like some rag dolls being thrown around. It's horrible. Do you know what is... It's not a good joke, but it's an alright joke. The idea that Eddie Griffin's boat is full of water. <laughs> yeah. Just the visual of them walking into that boat, and it just looks like it has sunk. Yeah. That's okay. That's something. <laughs> that, at, at that point, because that's quite early on in the movie, I was like, alright, joke. That was a joke. Yeah, do we need, like, a bare bone? I mean, I know I've already read out the synopsis, but, like... I mean, yeah, we don't need... Like, Juice goes to Amsterdam, which is seems, to, in this film, is a hub for all of Europe. Yeah. Because everybody from Europe... Every sort of European stereotype is housed in Amsterdam, and there's, mm. there's a lot of British people in Amsterdam, apparently. Yeah, I thought that. There were loads of people just screaming ad-lib lines or ADR lines over the top who were all British or Scottish. Josh. Hello. The sound in this movie, Mm -hmm. the ADR in this movie, Mm -hmm. so many times in this film, Mm -hmm. people are talking and their lips are not moving. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Or like, yeah, all the cutaway shots, like when the Canadian tourist is taking a shit in the street. And he waves and goes, hi, but his mouth isn't moving. The end of the movie where Juice and TJ are having a conversation while walking away, they're not talking. No. (laughs) The sound clearly is coming from somewhere else. Yeah. It is not mixed to sound like the sound that the sound had when they were talking. Uh. This is, I mean... Mike Bigelow never worked again. <laughs> I wonder why. Because he didn't exist. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's the same as the first movie. He goes to Amsterdam. He he has to go on dates with women. Yeah, but why are, does he have to go on dates? Of, to find which one of them might be a killer. Yeah, who's murdering all the man whores, or whatever they're called again. The man whore is, uh, I believe, used 47 times in this movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's what uh, the IMDb trivia tells me. Uh, okay, that's good. Yeah, they really lean into those terms more than the last one. There was one I quite liked where someone called it a, a vagina. <laughs> vagina, I was like, okay, that's an alright gag. Yeah, I suppose. But like... I didn't laugh. I know you found this movie a laugh riot. I didn't laugh... <laughs> 
at all. I laughed this. two and a half times. That's a laugh riot from me. That's not a laugh riot from me. The highest is like 16. This is barely a titter. There was no titters from me. Not a single laugh. There were laughs. I can see it in your face. No, there was not a laugh. Mm. The closest thing was obviously... Uh, Neil... <laughs> You're laughing now. That counts. Um, no, the closest, the closest thing to a laugh was uh, Norm MacDonald's Scottish accent, obviously. That was horrible. Obviously. Yeah. Hilarious. And, and, and laughing at the idea that they're about to do the same Jaws parody that the Master of Disguise did. Just just with him standing up in that yeah. hat going, you know me, you know what I do for a living. Yeah. And I was also, oh, it's the Jaws parody. It's the Jaws thing again. <laughs> um, I thought you meant with the shark murder. No, no. Um, oh, are you happy that there's animal attacks in this one? I fucking am, man. They came back well, for you. Oh, yeah, shit, there's two. There's two. Or technically three. Yes, technically free. Well, one off screen. One off screen. What can we talk about the one off screen later? Because we because we actually didn't know. What, I want to talk about that in a bit, but we can talk about the cat. Yeah, the cat was good. Well, for, right, okay. So the man whores are being murdered around Amsterdam by a. We've said that so many times. <laughs> Josh. We know the plot of the film. We don't need to get back into the plot of the film. There is so <laughs> little point of this plot. In this film. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, the cat was good. I enjoyed, but I did. The cat attacks TJ's balls. Yeah, but that's... I like that they pointed out the joke in the end credits. Yeah, just in case you didn't get it. But I enjoyed. I mean, the cat was very good. It was nice seeing a mad animal attack, one that comes out of nowhere again. But more, I enjoyed the fact that Eddie Griffin. Obviously, he's they're round a a large lady's house again and she's got loads of food around her house obviously and he starts eating chips out the toilet so I have a note for that section yeah um, uh, so at that point uh, yes Juice is seducing the lady by being dressed up as a baby yeah <laughs> and uh, TJ is eating out of the toilet and my note at that point was I hate this movie I think I had the same thing yes, I... Juice is dressed as a baby and TJ is eating out of the toilet I hate this movie yeah actually I don't think that's the last time I wrote that even. no same I've got it up I'm looking at my notes now it just says I hate this so much Juice dressed up like a baby while TJ eats chips out of the toilet also <laughs> Big fan it's... that TJ Fulham pulls his full trousers down every time he goes for a piss. Do you not do that? <laughs> Only when I want to assert dominance mm. in a public urinal. Um, <laughs> so the other, so there's also the uh, dolphin attack. Yeah, which um, comes after you know you know something bad is going to happen in this movie. After as soon as they say the words "visually impaired senior citizens," <laughs> I know. And you're just like, oh, fucking hell, really? This is yeah. where we're going? This is the start of your fucking movie? <laughs> yeah. I had a single sob at that moment. Just a sob of despair, being like, oh, we're back. <laughs> we're back in the the trio. The uh, the trio of the... Um, oh, no. Ignore me. Yeah, single <laughs> sob. I was trying to figure who the three people were. No, it was, I was looking at my notes and I got a different scene. I got the opening scene confused. Where it had the the main or the first murdered the first on screen murdered gigolo oh, yes. has banged a woman who says thanks for last night. He then runs in runs it he then runs into an old woman who says thanks maid. for last night. A maid even, yeah. An old maid. And then he gets not an old maid. 
just a, a just an old woman who, old. who happens to be a maid, and then runs into the border security guard, who is a man who also says thanks for last night. And I was like, that's that's just the the Adam Sandler, that's the Happy Madison production company joke structure in boiled down to its smallest essence of just yeah. attractive woman, old woman, man. You know. Yeah. I get it. No, I get it. Awful. I I, I don't like this movie, Josh. I, can't yeah, I know tell it's very bad. Across. Um, <laughs> you do, yeah. From your face, you just don't seem like you want to talk about any portion. No, no, there is film. stuff I want to talk about in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so for the third animal attack, there is a shark attack that happens off screen. Yeah. Where so last time we were asking, do we think that they'd bring the wife back for this movie? And we both agreed no. <laughs> But we got the worst eventuality. Well, yeah. she did. She, she. So they do the horrible thing that comedy sequels are known to do, where they kill off the female lead of the first film to make sure that the male star is able to have a new romance. Yeah, there's no. You, it's just boring to watch people's relationships develop, isn't it? Let's just kill it off. We'll have a new one. Yeah, because you get a new, new hot girl in. Yeah, especially if the woman from the first film's career hasn't taken off. <laughs> Very true. But no, they, so she is in this movie for twenty glorious no, seconds. She's in one scene where she is killed off <laughs> in a flashback. It's not even like we open with her. No, and then she is the spirit of her is dragged around this film by Juice carrying her wooden leg. Yeah. <laughs> Turned into a joke was wherever he carries it, it hits people in the face. Yeah. Or old women smoke bongs, use it as a bong. Well, that's the end of the movie, yeah, Josh. That's how that. we wrap up the story. Or um, a black person takes it by mistake and says, I always wanted to know what it was like to be a white woman. I really didn't like that. <laughs> really didn't like that, Josh. I don't think anyone did. Oh, God. <sighs> we have, um... We ha- we also find out that Juice is still a fucking power, even though at the in the last one you were telling me that uh, no, it's okay because he learns to be good. I didn't right. I yeah, no, that's true. He was supposed to have learned by the end because he gave that big speech about you know respecting women and um, the difficulties G- of body. Gives a sort of similar speech in this movie. Yeah, he does. Despite everything that the movie the movie tries to have its cake and eat it too. Well, like the last one. Just like the last one, where, like we were saying earlier. The last one is a five-star film compared to this. (laughs) That's true. Um, But yeah, even after all that, as soon as he sees a woman trying to clean a window and um, pressing her T-shirted breasts up to the window and therefore getting them wet, he tells her to do it more so that he can see those nips. Yep, that's that's exactly it. And then apologises to the wooden leg because he's a good guy. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just my notes in this film are just like all the horrible things. Like, there's a joke about SARS in this movie. Oh my god, yeah. I was gonna rattle off a few things about this movie. Mm. So this is Hannah Verboom is in this movie. Actress Hannah Verboom. Who's Hannah Verboom? She plays Ava. Oh yeah, who yeah. Who is uh, Juice's new love interest? Yes. Because I want to bring this up after we brought up the fact that his wife is killed in the first movie, so he can have a new or killed in this in between this and the first movie. Killed from the first movie, uh, so he can have a new love interest for this movie, because the uh, 
Hannibal Wind, this is her second film. Mm-hmm. She auditioned for a small role in this film, but uh, Rob Schneider said he really saw something in her and wanted to give her a big part, mm-hmm. which he was even dubious about taking. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious if the thing that Rob Schneider saw in uh, Hanover Boom is the fact that she is 20 years younger than him. Ooh. Could be. <laughs> How old was Rob Schneider at this point? 42? I believe... He was born in 1963. He's 40. So, he's 42. This is a 2005 movie. But yeah, but like filming... Maybe he's like forty. I don't think it took them like two years to make this movie. <laughs> you yeah, never know. The first one they, they had to get a plane. The first one got green lit and like went to <laughs> cinemas in like six months. Yeah, no, I know. But you never know, do you? There's a lot of travel involved. <laughs> there's not. There's one bit of travel involved. They had to get um, Rachel Stevens. They had to wait for her for um, availability. I'm gonna say that he was probably at least forty-two making this movie. Yeah, probably. So what, she was 22? Yes. Good lord. <laughs> well... She was born in 1983. Yeah, very good. What else has she been in? Anything? So so this is the, the sad thing with this movie, is that... Oh, no. um, and there's a lot of sad things about this movie. Yeah. This film was uh, shot on location in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And features a lot of... Uh, European actors in smaller roles mm. who were thinking like, oh, well, this is my chance to be in a big American movie. And the resounding sort of feeling is that they all just didn't really like it. No. There's not much to like. <laughs> they all said that um, Rob Schneider was was nice. Apparently he was very courteous on set. But apparently Eddie Griffin could become verbally abusive if someone uh, fucked up on set. Really? Yeah. Oh, I would have totally thought it was the other way around. And most of them didn't like the finished movie. And <laughs> actors Eric DeVogel and Cease Giel admitted that they've never watched it all the way through. <laughs> um, Good work, lads. And yeah, so Hannah Verboom has gone on to sort of have a sort of career in Dutch cinema. Oh, that's the silver lining. The sad lining is that she doesn't like the movie. Mm. She didn't really believe in the movie, but she's happy that she had the experience of a big adventure. She was also very embarrassed that she, um, her grandparents insisted they came to the Amsterdam no. premiere of the movie. Um, because They wanted to come because they were proud of her, but she noticed her grandpa getting increasingly embarrassed over the course of the movie. Yeah, I can imagine there would have been some um, major upset at the moment where Jis goes on a date with a woman who was born in Chernobyl and therefore has a penis on her face, which when she gets excited uh, becomes erect and when she sneezes it comes on people. The the biology of that doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, I know. That's the worst thing about this film. It's not internally consistent of human anatomy. Does she have balls? It's also a really horrid a joke about a woman who has had a... Is it a tracheotomy? Yes. Yep, 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 yep. Juice uh, has to go on a date with a woman who has a tracheotomy, so she has a hole in her throat that she speaks through. Mm. And, uh, I mean, if you guys haven't seen this movie... 
You just wait until the girl with a penis for a nose and the girl with a hole in her throat get together. Because <laughs> it's fucking awful. <laughs> That's the wor- that is honestly the worst part of the movie. <laughs> Do you think? This, uh, That's you know, the worst film, part. That's the worst part. For you. Visually, yes. Visually. Visually, I see. Not morally. No, because it's horrible to these two people, and it doesn't even <laughs> do any. It's not. It's a. It doesn't even make any fucking sense, Josh. She trips over for some reason and lands her penis nose in this woman's throat <laughs> hole, and that's it. That's the joke. Yeah, that that's is the it. Whole that's thing. the end of that scene. Yeah, no, I know. That's, that's the button on that scene. That that's the big scene where they defeat the bad guy. And how do they wrap it up? Um, by what's his name? What's his name? No, no, by having the penis nosed lady fall inside the throat hole lady. Yeah, no, I know. That's how they wrap it up. I was just drawing, gonna draw a comparison between, you know, at the end of um, Kingsman, he's solved everything, he's won, he's killed oh, well, Samuel he goes, Jackson. He has sex with uh, the Swedish princess. He goes and has anal sex with the Swedish princess and yeah. anal is the joke there. That's the payoff. You know what? That's better <laughs> than this. Yeah, I suppose so. These two characters have been mocked all the way through the film. This film is so much meaner to its female characters than the first. Yeah, it's true. I mean... There aren't many tender ways of having a woman drink wine and have it spurt out of her tracheotomy hole, are there? Or a, wo- a woman who is covered in literal shit for no reason. And then pushed off a boat and yeah. cleaned. And then also women who have features that the film believes are unbecoming. And what do they do? Twice they do a joke about them going to get plastic surgery and instead of coming out removing those features, they just have bigger breasts. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's true. Uh... This film hates women. It really does. It really, really does. And you defended the last one for its love of women. I didn't, so you must think I this one loves women it. too. I didn't defend it. This is going to be my Trump moment. <laughs> I never said that. I didn't defend it. I said it tries to do a speech at the end to be like, look, Women have it difficult, but obviously, as I hope I said at the time, it, like you said earlier, tries to have its cake and eat it you because it ma- because all the jokes same. are made at the expense of the women beca- explicitly because of the things that are wrong with them. I definitely said that. You didn't. I you did. Didn't. You were like, this movie <laughs> is a feminist masterpiece. <laughs> I suppose I did. And I can only assume its sequel doubles down on yeah, that. Yeah, true. I also really like how this film treats people with OCD as a member of the tribe. I'm really pleased that it shows the difficulties of how to get over OCD. Yeah. <laughs> how much that struggle would be. To be honest, the only times that I haven't lived with it have been because I've been watching Rob Schneider dancing on a tram to the sound of an accordion. And then I forget that I have to sniff my fingers every time I hear one. It wasn't even that I was talking about. Oh, really? <laughs> no, no. So there is a moment at the end of this movie where... So, spoiler alert, the killer in this film is uh, is the cop who is... Doesn't make any fucking sense. Because he blew up his cock when he wanted to be a man-whore. Um, <laughs> that is the plot of this movie. Um, he is the uncle of Ava, who is Deuce's love interest. Mm. 
um, she discovers that he is the killer, and he says, "Well, you, I'm going to lock you." And she does. She's got a fit, irrational fear of doorknobs as part of her OCD. Mm. Um, so he puts a doorknob into the door, and it's like the only way you'll be able to get out of this room is by touching this doorknob. She then sees him drive away with juice, and she then looks at the doorknob, goes, "Uh," and then just opens the door. Yeah, it's fine. That's <laughs> her getting over her OCD. Yeah, that is it. Yeah, that it's all it took. I like is the least stakes for anything. The fact that they set up a stake and then I know. <laughs> like, oh no, I can't over this door. I uh, I want to talk about uh, the cop because it's a uh, uh, Jerome Crab. It's a good name. He is. He was in. Um, he's been in a Bond movie. He was a a, a sort of European baddie in a Bond movie. Living Daylights. Oh. He was also in the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie, and he was in The Fugitive, yeah. and he's been in lots of sort of uh, uh, European movies. He's a sort of a, a sort of classic star of European cinema. Mm. And Rob Schneider begged him to be in this movie. Begged him. Got on his knees and begged him. Really? Really? Why? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's I fine, know. but like, why? After after he accepts, Schneider sent him a big bouquet of flowers, and uh, the the reason that Crab accepted was because his son Jacob was a big fan of the first movie. Oh, that's sad for him to find out. Like, there are some things I think sometimes about having kids, and then I think, oh, but what if they? I don't know got really into like bad drugs or you know were a bully I <laughs> really liked Rob Schneider movies that's the thing that's the most shameful thing you could come across isn't it you find out that your child really loves Rob Schneider films but this is the thing though I've quite enjoyed all the Rob Schneider movies <laughs> up until this point yeah but you, you wouldn't be like if your dad was like I'm thinking about being in a film with Rob Schneider would you be like yes you should definitely do it because the Animal is one of my favourite films ever made. I would not let my dad sully his IMDb page with his <laughs> one credit in the motion picture Upstairs and Downstairs <laughs> by letting him be in The Animal 2. Yeah, there you go. Um, I've not finished, though. Schneider loved working with Crab. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called him the friendliest actor he'd ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Crab, however. <laughs> what did Crab say? He hated doing this movie. Obviously. He really, really upset. He did it and refuses to discuss it to this day. Oh, that's refuses so sad. to discuss this movie. Mm. This film was a fucking blight on European cinema. <laughs> yeah, it really makes Amsterdam look like a shithole as well. They were not happy about they. The city of Amsterdam allowed production access to the city for filming, thinking that hey, look, it's a film being made here. That's cool. Yeah, it's you know big motion picture. However, the uh, the city weren't happy about it. Uh, lots of parking spaces were taken up by the crew. Yeah, and um, Amsterdam was displeased with how they were portrayed in the final film. I mean, I don't fucking blame them. And since then, they've appointed a film commission to, that has to approve all requests for filming. Was like it, this, this makes it sound like Amsterdam was like this tiny little civilization that had never heard of film yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, they were just like oh, oh a film wants to be made here a cinema oh, we've never heard of that before that must be great <laughs> and then they let them I mean you have an encyclopedic knowledge of film have there been many other American films filmed in Amsterdam um because obviously Eurotrip wasn't filmed in Amsterdam 
Eurotrip is filmed in Europe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like it's not in Amsterdam. Is Hostel filmed in Amsterdam? No, that's further east, isn't it? Maybe. Oh, maybe the first bit is in Amsterdam. And then they're like, you can come east to find a more hardcore hostel. Is that um, right? I don't remember. Maybe. I can't remember hostel that well. The There's the scenes at the end of Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. That's after this, isn't it? Yeah, it is after this. Yeah. But I'm saying before. I think Hostel is after this. As yeah, well. true. Nothing's jumping to mind. No, there probably is something huge that you know cineasts will know. Yeah, but that's not um, us, baby. Well, it's Jack. It's not me. <laughs> all I know is Juice Bigelow. Do you have a problem that Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo, is all set in Amsterdam, yet the poster has him sitting in front of the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Horrible. <laughs> This film really like is just this one is made so for Americans who have never been to Europe <laughs> who are just like, well, it's all just one big city, isn't it? It's where Lon- London's in Amsterdam. Yeah, everywhere. Pisa's in Amsterdam. Um, I also like how in the poster his head has obviously been stuck onto somebody else's body. It's also good. Um, I really enjoyed how the how the police chief cop man had like three different motives for doing the crime and they didn't pick one to be the major one I really didn't enjoy that you know this one had his dick being blown off so he couldn't whip out his dick or something, like <laughs> in the first movie. no those were my favourite bits in the first film also right okay so yeah he has three different motives that are um the first motive he gives is he's sick of how his city is being treated because... People I, keep shitting in the street. I thought what he was meaning was that, you know, Amsterdam is a very permissive city, which the gigolos are, like, em, em, emblematic. No. Yes? They kind of, yeah. They represent it, so he maybe he was going to be like, they I'm going to kill them. I mean, it's sort of like um, League of Shadows... Batman begins like the city has gone too far. Yeah. I need to destroy you need to it. Cleansing so we can fire. Start again. That kind of thing. So that's Which one reason. Which is an okay sort of motive. It's fine because he kind of mentions it before. That sort of works. Yeah. And it sort of plays into like the whole. It plays into the themes of the movie, of which there aren't many. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, the second is that um, his wife was cheating on him, possibly, or his wife was allowing herself to be used as the test dummy for the gigolo school that he attended. Um, I don't like how much this film (laughs) acts like... I mean, there is a sex work industry, of course, but this film acts like it's like being... Like it's a, a union. This film acts like it's being a disguisey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I really thought the old man was the disguisey guy. Is it? I don't think so. Oh, but yeah, um, it, it makes it seem like you know, if you're a gigolo, you're a Freemason. Yeah, which I also enjoy because you never see like a. I mean, going down gender binaries, but you never see like a women's version of the gigolo society. They do mention one. Do at they? One point. I can't remember who. Right, okay. They talk, they talk about uh, a woman pleasuring a man. Oh, no, no, no. Like, so, yeah, no, they've got um, 
they have a bit where Deuce is walking through and he sees the red light district. And he's like, what's up with all these red lights? Do these women know that they have that their windows are open, etc.? I don't even remember that. That's right at the beginning. But they don't mention... Cause the, the, no, because the when, when, when they go to the history of man whores hall, yeah. there is like a picture of a woman. And he talk and TJ talks about the woman. Right, yeah, but there's no women present in the in the secret society. Not in current day, but in in the secret society of past. <laughs> okay, so it got more sexist as it went on. But I'm yeah. saying in current day, I don't care about history. In current day, there is a male gigolo sect, but there's not a female sex worker sect. I mean, there might be. That is that is organized, but they don't. Maybe mention they were going to make they a spin-off movie it. like uh, Beauty Shop to Barbershop. Oh, they could have done. All right, well, that's the second one, starring Rachel Stevens. That's the second motive. <laughs> That'd be good. That's the second motive that his wife was allowing herself to have a Portuguese breakfast made in her vagina, or anus. I'm By not sure. Or Norm her tight rectum, Jack. By Norm Macdonald. And then the third is that he accidentally blows his cock off while using a penis pump. Yeah. Now I thought but, right at the end when he's like, "I've put a bomb at the man at the he whore awards." He whore. <laughs> is it he whore? Is it man whore? He whore. Yeah, he whore. Yeah, no, it's very good. <laughs> That's I, what they should have called these. They really should. Have. What he whore? <laughs> yeah. I think he-haw! they'd have come under some copyright infringement from the from A A Milne. No, but they call it like H E hash H A W. Yeah, no, yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, Because it's a laugh. It is a laugh. I'd laugh. (laughs) I really thought that all the um, ankle bracelets that they have for their cocks, I thought they were all going to explode. No. Because that that makes so much sense. That was just a setup to have a joke for Norm MacDonald giving his son a bracelet. That is so shit. Because, right, okay... (laughs) Sorry, I just punched my mic out of annoyance. Because they've set up, they've written into the film that the main character, the, the bad guy, wants to kill them because he blew his cock off. Another character has given everyone devices to strap round their cock that could have been loaded with bombs so that he takes revenge. Especially as he was the chief, he was the chief of police or whatever. He could have supplied them with those. He could have supplied them with those. It's like perfect. It makes so much sense. They didn't do it. It's just a normal fucking bomb. It's weird that Rob Schneider, David Garrett, and <laughs> Jason Ward didn't think this through. I reckon each of them came up with a motive and each of them came up with an ending and they went, fuck it, we'll do all three. David Garrett is a strange writer. Is he? He's best known for making a documentary film about Alvin Green, who was a Democratic nominee for the US Senate, and he also wrote the comedy movie Corky Revival. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, what a renaissance man. Oh, God. Um, no, I agree. Like, yeah, like this film is not well plotted. It's not well plotted. It's not well made. It's not funny. It's well, it has two and a half laughs for me, but it's very bad. Was one of your laughs, Fred Armisen, after Rob Schneider saying uh, that cigarette has tar that's poisonous to that fish? <laughs> Fred Armisen just goes. I believe this is true. <laughs> no, I didn't. I've heard I didn't this. 
I was like, no, my only thought when Fred Armisen showed up is like, has he just been in Amsterdam since Eurotrip finished? Euro trip character. <laughs> yeah. Has he just been there? They just find him. Literally, he did these two movies back to back. I was going to say. This they... Eurotrip came out the year before. Yeah. He must have just still been in France on that train trying to feel people up in tunnels. I was glad to see him, to be honest. I wasn't. I, don't I like, like Fred Armisen. Uh, he's sinister. He's a sinister presence. You you hate comedy, Josh. I don't, I don't hate all comedy. the Mike Shaw movies. You hate. Like, I hate the Mike Shaw shows. That's different. You hate all the you hate all of Mike Shaw shows. You hate Fred Armisen. I don't hate him. I just find him a malevolent presence. You love uh, Only Fools and Horses. I don't love Only Fools and Horses. I will not have this sh- this schlander. This Adam Schlandler. On my timeline. Josh, don't you love it when uh, Del Boy leans and he falls right through the bar? Yeah, I love it. It's an iconic moment. Oh, when that chandelier comes crashing down. I'm going to tell you what my laughs are in this Shit. film. We'll see what a fan of comedy I am. One. <laughs> <laughs> one, full, <laughs> one full laugh. The pro-American Dutch woman getting thrown in the canal after being hit with a brick. <laughs> I didn't like that. Did you not? I, I liked. Love, no. I liked the moment where you... I much preferred Fred Armisen's justification for him smoking because at least the Europeans don't <laughs> seize foreign lands for oil. That was a funnier anti-American joke. No, to me. I liked. I liked the original because you had the setup of the. I, <laughs> I mean... didn't like anyone getting a brick thrown at them. In this oh, I, I adore. I ad- well, as as has become apparent over recent weeks, I adore physical violence comedy. Um, yeah, it was just him walking through the streets and people screaming at him for being an American and then having a pro-American Dutch woman who then gets hit in the head with a brick, being like, thank you for liberating Iraq! <laughs> Etc. Great stuff. I really hated that. That was the moment where I was like, this feels like an epic movie, date movie. Yeah, I know I what you really, mean. really hate those movies. Yeah, no, they're um, terrible. They're terrible, obviously, but I enjoyed this. I enjoyed that moment. Half a laugh. Deuce checking whether Till Schweiger is passed out by dropping a remote control on his head. I thought that was funny. It was only half a laugh. Uh, I, 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 I was just waiting for them to do the bowling ball because I noticed there was a bowling ball <laughs> on the shelf. And I was like, well, there's got to be a reason for that bowling ball to be on the shelf. Chekhov's bowling ball. I can't believe you didn't laugh at the... At the sunken ship the all the water in the ship I was just like oh fuck hilaire yeah fine I don't know it's hilaire this is probably the the... guy losing his shoe yeah Uh, the worst half laugh I had was when so Oded Fair returns from the first one fucking hell right (laughs) I was not expecting that no but he's there he's live and in person Oded Fair and um, he starts choking he's got a book that has all the lists of the women that uh, the dead gigolos had dated prior to their deaths. He's going to give How it to Deuce. How did he Deuce. get that book? How did he get that? You know, he's Oded Fair is playing... I can't remember what his name is. Antoine. Antoine. He's playing the most powerful gigolo in the world. At least you've learned his name this time. <laughs> I've learned the actor's name, but, yeah. not the, but not the character. No, but at least you've learned Oded Fair's name. At least he's not the guy from the mummy. Look, that's how most people would know Oded Fett. Most people would look at him and go, that's the guy from The Mummy. What's his name? I don't know. I'll look it up. And then they'd learn. Oded Fett. Oded Fett. Uh, Oded Fett starts choking, which leads to he 
he then gets the Heimlich done on him and chokes it into somebody else's mouth. I thought this was going to set up a, it just keeps bouncing between loads of different people, which I was like, I'm I'm going to hate it, but I'm here for it. And then it just gives up on that. But TJ, TJ goes in to grab the list from Oded's trousers. It's been a running gag so far. I say gag, that he's not gay, but he keeps getting into gay appearing, what do you call it, scenarios, positions. Yes. Um, like like a sort of joke you'd find in uh, Josh's favourite comedy, Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm not having this. I'm not having this. And he turns around while he has his hands down somebody's child down Oded Fair's trousers, and a photographer takes a picture, and that ends up on the front page somehow. And I was just like, fuck's sake. Yeah, but you know what? I didn't like that. Because when she <laughs> takes the picture, he's got like a big grin on his oh, face. Oh, yeah, and then it's a different face! It's a different... It's got a frowny face when the picture's on the paper. Maybe it's been photoshopped. Um, this did lead to... Oh, wait, so what was what was your laugh there? Just that picture being taken? Yeah. Okay. Just the picture being taken and then it ending up on the front page of me being... It was more of a for fuck's sake laugh. And then... Well, this did lead to a joke that I thought could be funny if the film wasn't so rampantly homophobic. Oh, yeah. Which is where TJ is like, I can't believe it. I can't, I, I, everybody thinks I'm a gay murderer. And he's and uh, Juice is like, oh, well, we can clear your name. We can stop people from thinking you're a murderer. And he goes, it's not the murderer I have a problem with. It's that I'm gay. They'd welcome me back home with open arms if I was just a murderer. Nobody's going to take back a gay pimp. And I was like, there is a joke there in that America loves a murderer but hates gay people. Yeah, that's true. And that's kind of funny, but because this film is so hating of gay people itself, yeah, that the joke doesn't quite land. But I was like, it doesn't land that way, does it? Out of context, that's that's a joke. Could be a line. Could be a line. Uh, my final half laugh is just the killer's reasoning being he wanted to be a gigolo and also blew his own dick off. Uh, yeah, but just I because I was like, "Is that the plot you've come up with?" I think those were meta laughs. Both of them are just being like, "Oh, here we go." I did kind of laugh at the bad ADR on the line of, "But sir, it's my daughter's birthday. She's turning thirteen. We need all this pot for the party." <laughs> and I was like, well, "You've ADR this line that isn't even a joke. It's just words. It's, it's just, just lying. words. It's yeah. all just words. All." Fury, sound and fury, horrible. Yeah, really hate this film. Really, really hate it. Why did all the? Uh, why does the Man Horse Society really hate uh, Juice Bigelow? Because he's American. But like, they, like he's like, um, I have a way that we can figure out who the Man Horse Killer is, and then they just throw him out the window. <laughs> it's, it's just the classic Sandler thing, isn't it? Just like the main character has to be hated. For it's no not reason. Done well enough. It's not They're done never well done enough. well enough. They because they don't give him them a reason for them to hate him other than him being American, which just feels so fucking lazy. Yeah, but I guess you got to look at the time, haven't you? Well, no, I mean it's no. lazy then. It's lazy then, but it's rawer. It's... it's more raw at the time, isn't it? Iraq. Is it? Yeah, I mean it's just happened. Is it good, Josh? Is no, it's good not good. Movie? I'm not saying it's good. Is these are different. These are different things. Talking <laughs> about this being a good movie. <laughs> Sorry, yes, no, I do think this is 10 out of 10. Another, uh, I want to talk about another um, have its cake and eat it too moment. Yeah. Is when Deuce looking for TJ finds him at a chicken and waffle place, the only chicken and waffle oh, place in Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. 
And then he's like, that's racist that you'd think I'd be here. And then, like, the joke is that it's all black people there and he is there. And then it has, like, um, a line about Dutch invented chicken and waffles and every black person said hallelujah. It's this really weird, like, calling him out for being racist and then doubling down on the racist stereotype. Yeah, yeah, but it's fine because they called out the racism so then that gives them, that's open season for it to be as racist as possible. There's there's some irony there. There's some irony there. Defending this movie. Don't take that out of context, listeners. There was irony in those words. Yeah, it's terrible. It's 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 terrible in exactly the same way as is it in the animal again, where they have one character who just keeps starting arguments, being like, "Oh, no one wants to be racist." That's a better joke than this one. Is, is it? Though. I don't think it's it not is. good, Josh. But it's better. Well, why are you saying it's good? Why are you defending that joke? See, isn't it annoying? <laughs> No, it's good. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's banter. It's good it for the podcast. Banter. People love this, don't uh, they? We're not going to be friends, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not by midway through Truly Happily Ernest. Have you watched Ernest Goes to Jail yet? No, I'm saving it for the podcast. Okay. I don't know if you just were, like, you know, bored over the over the week and were just like, oh, I'm going to watch a little no. Ernest P. Worrell joint. No, I want. I only want to watch it when absolutely necessary. <laughs> I won't watch it twice. Yeah, I mean, it's this is a film that I think is fueled by hate. Yeah. I think it's full of crass jokes that aren't even jokes and just really horrible things, like the moment when uh, uh, the guy is thrown out the window... And it makes a little... Makes a tiny plop. plop. noise. Yeah, I hated that. Also, that sound is not um, synced up with the movie. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, for context, Juice thinks that Ava is a sex worker or a porn star. So he runs in and finds her going off with a little person. And then kicks him out a window. Yeah, terrible. Oh, and then it makes a little... Makes a little... Like, stone. Yeah. Um, Awful. Also, I just hate the idea that Juice is really angry that he thinks she's a porn star. Despite being a... Despite the fact that he is a, a man whore Yeah, himself. yeah, it's terrible. But, you know, um, women can't be sexually liberated. It's so sad to say that, like, the women in the first film were more sort of charming. <laughs> you know, like, Amy Poehler and her Tourette's. Like, yeah, when he came up with, like, a solution for her Tourette's being to take her to a ball game so she would feel safe to shout out all the words yeah by comparison that's like the greatest meet cute ever written or like not meet cute but you know like that's the greatest relationship instigating moment ever well it just it seems like you know he's genuinely trying i couldn't tell in this movie if he was actually sleeping with the women (laughs) i don't think so but yeah i suppose that's the difference between spending a whole movie ish going on these dates and spending five minutes where you get introduced to a woman who has a humpback and so he hollows out a backpack so she can wear it without sh- without people resting their pints on her back, or just kids a woman taking with the piss big out. Big ears, yeah. making being made fun of at a zoo by kids. And then he gets her breasts in line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good God, I hate it all. It's yeah, horrible. it's it's. Pre- um, Did this film win any awards? Is that is that it? Are we we're done. With I don't the want movie? to talk about it anymore. Do you? <laughs> no, I really. Yeah, I, I think it's clear we hate this movie. It was nominated for one MTV Movie Award. Mm. Um, it was nominated for sexiest performance. Oh my god! From who? 
Kelly Brook? From Rob Schneider. Good lord. Oh, the Kelly Brook sequence. During the first movie, did you ever think, like, wow, what this movie really needs is more drug-fueled humour? It's what 12-year-old me would have thought, but maybe not now. Also, I really hate any film that uses, like, that just acts like any drug is hallucinogenic. Yeah, (laughs) any drug is LSD. Whether it's weed, speed, crack... Coke, space cake, heroin, space cake, generic space cake, meth, all of them. You're going to enter paintings and then start licking your man whore pimp's nipples. Yeah, I did not like the nipple jokes. Yeah, so yeah, Rob Schneider was nominated for sexiest performance mm. at the MTV Movie Awards. Mm. Um, he was the only male nominee mm. against uh, Sin City for Jessica Alba. Mm. Won the award. Yeah, fair enough. Jessica Simpson for the Dukes of Hazard. Mm. Uh, Zi Zhang for uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. Yeah, and Beyonce for the Pink Panther. <laughs> what a year! Well, it, well, I think out of those, the only one I've seen is Sin City. And Jessica Alba. No, you've seen the Dukes of Hazard. Oh yeah, no, I have seen the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, <laughs> and you've right. seen Deuce Bigelow European Jingle. Yeah, no, true. All right, you've seen more than half the movies. <laughs> horrible. How have you not seen the Pink Panther? What a movie! Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not such a huge Steve Martin fan as you know. Well, no, actually, I say that as if I hate him. I just haven't watched enough. It is Steve Martin, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yes. It's not. I, I, I can tell you right now. If you if you haven't watched enough. Not one to run to. No, <laughs> not one to run to, Josh. No, I do like Steve uh, Martin. There's, there's, there's better Steve Martin movies than The Pink Panther. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Jessica Alba at least does like she does a dance in that film, doesn't she? In Sex, yeah. and, Sex and, and the City, Sin City, Sex and the Sin City. Um, Juice doesn't even. He did a sexy dance in the last one. He doesn't do one in this one. Didn't do anything. He dresses up as a baby. He dresses up and as a baby. A no, that's him walking. <laughs> How scary is that giant baby? Oh my god, horrible. It looked like the Eraserhead model. When it's just got its the eyes The Eraserhead swiveling. model looked cuter. Yeah, true. Good lord. It looked like um, uh, the fake baby from... Uh, American, American Sniper. Sniper. <laughs> it's bigger. Or the one from Twilight. The horrible CGI baby. Oh yeah. Renesmee. How hard is like like they couldn't settle on what they wanted to be wrong with that woman. She's like she's big and she likes babies. Yeah. <laughs> she also eats chips in the toilet. That is like a European thing, isn't it? Like What toilet chips? No, Amsterdam's like famous for its like chips in a cone, isn't it? Oh yeah. That's yeah. a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They're great. Just not in the toilet. Have you been to Amsterdam, Jack? No. Oh, you should go. It's not like this film makes it out. It's hor- It's great. <laughs> no, that's see. I saw this. Oh, this is not my first time watching this film. Oh, is so it? I've seen. No, I saw this one at like when I was like a teenager. Oh. And I remember not liking it that. Much. Oh, that's good. Um, uh, I haven't watched it since. It's probably been about fifteen years since mm. I watched this movie. Let's go to Amsterdam, Jack. We can get chips and a cone. We can go and look at all the really nice art. We can wander around and look for where TJ's barge would have been. I feel so sad that this movie has been around for half of my life and now will be around for the majority of my life. <laughs> By now it's gotten to the point where like it came out 15 years ago and I'm 30. So <laughs> this is this film is now like you know, older than half my life. Yeah, I know what you mean. Ugh. It will endure. Well, like I said, hopefully the heat death of the world will occur and you know all celluloid film will burn up in an untake backable 
Inferno, and this film will never exist any, anymore. Until four billion years from now, when society restarts again, the fish climb out of the ocean once more, art progresses, and we get to a future 2005 where Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo, is made once more, and the cycle continues. What a horrible, horrible, horrible world you've just... <laughs> That's what I believe in, baby. It's going to happen. Do you, so that is, it's, uh, it's got some Razzie Awards, but I don't, I don't like to talk about the Razzie Awards. It's shit. Um, so that's basically what we talk about this whole podcast. We don't want to hear other people have agreed. Yeah, I'm sad that this podcast... I don't think we intended to do a bad movie podcast. <laughs> I think we 100% did. There's no way no, we can't have. Because, you know, like we wanted to delve into why we like Adam Sandler. Mm. Oh, what did you think of the Sandler cameo? Um... Uh, pointless. I mean, it was fine. It was horrible. Uh, which one also? <laughs> it's like... If, if, there's only one. Only one on screen. I don't think that's his voice in this. That one. is, it's the same. It's it's one hundred percent the same soundbite that they've just. I don't think it even is. I think it is. I think it sounded different. I don't think it did. I think it sounded clearer, and maybe that's just because of the sound mix. Because they hadn't put it in properly. They hadn't given it any reverb. I I, the sound mix in this film is terrible. We've no, that's what I mean. It. But they haven't. They've put it in that it's just like a straight mp3 rather than adding Maybe. any reverb or anything to make it sound like it's coming from outside that's a huge bitch that's a huge bitch uh well yes i was talking about the on-screen cameo it's fine it's just him waving <laughs> it's, it's nothing wearing a cowboy hat wearing a cowboy hat fine how where, do you think he where do you think he filmed that do you think he filmed that in his house garden 100 <laughs> percent garden <laughs> I don't think he left his his property to make that. Moment. No, why would you? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, that's true because you know, I mean, as we've said before, I've seen some of these films, but mostly the latter day, and I do hold some of them close to my heart, or they are close to my heart, and I hold them in not high esteem, but steam. Um, it's just the. Uh, I think the reason I say like I don't want to do a bad movie podcast is because. I've been genuinely surprised by some of the movies. Not that to the say that I love them or think no. they're really great, but before this movie, I found more of a respect for Rob Schneider than I had initially. Mm. Not that I thought he was very good, but I, I found myself enjoying The Animal and The Hot Chick far more than I intended to. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. But then... And this one, I think, is the real thing that just makes me think like oh there's i don't think there's anything redeeming in this movie no not at all not at all so moving from that mvp (laughs) oh shit i don't think i've even got one this is terrible i have an mvp do you you go first i'll think of mine uh my mvp is something i was going to bring up earlier but i decided to save it for this um my MVP is um, film critic Roger Ebert. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there was a bit of a media fraud. And what, again? It was a bit of a media feud. Oh, there was feud. A bit of, no, no, feud with this one. Uh, when uh, There was a critic called Patrick Goldstein, and he panned this movie, and he suggested that there should be an Oscar... If there was an Oscar for best-running penis joke delivered by a third-rate comic, <laughs> then uh, Rob Schneider would win it. Nice. Uh, Schneider retaliated and he uh, put a full page ad in the trades saying that Goldstein hadn't actually seen the film and and he made fun of him not winning a Pulitzer Prize 
and that that it's a said said there is no category for best third rate unfunny pompous reporter who's never been acknowledged by his peers. Right, and I believe it actually came out that he had won a Pulitzer. <laughs> Amazing. So actually, no, no. So Ebert, who has won the Pulitzer, uh, decided then to criticize uh, Schneider back. And uh, saying, um, so yes, yeah, so, so, so because he was a qualified Pulitzer winner, he was qualified to say, "Mr. Schneider, your movie sucks." <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Which then became uh, became Ebert's um, book title for his collection of bad movie reviews. Um, <laughs> God, that's an enduring part. That's that's not the end of the story. Uh, Schneider made amends with Ebert when Ebert was diagnosed with cancer. And Schneider sent him flowers, like he did to uh, his co-star to in this guy. movie. Schneider's always got flowers going out to people. Mm. And uh, Schneider said, uh, sent him a note saying how important his reviews had always been. And Ebert was very moved, and he said he really hoped to see Schneider in a great film one day. That's nice. So you know what? Yeah, my, my MVP is Roger Ebert for telling Schneider how it is. And um, I, think, I believe Schneider said that um, after Ebert said said all this about his movie, it made him really reconsider what types of movies he wanted to make. And then what did he make next? I mean, like, he made the Benchwarmers, <laughs> which we'll cover in two weeks. So, oh, thank God. Um, um, all right, I think my MVP uh, is Amsterdam. Because all all, while watching this, the whole time, I was just like, I really wish I was in Amsterdam. I really want to go to the Rijksmuseum again. I want to just be wandering around and rent a bike. I just want to travel and eat some chips. Like, it was just nice to live somewhere that wasn't London for a bit, even only for 83 minutes. Oh, oh I thought you meant live in when you lived there before. No, I meant for the for the duration of watching this film, I could imagine that I was in Amsterdam, and that was nice. It feels so much longer than 83 minutes. It really does, doesn't it? Uh, did you know that Rob Schneider lived in Amsterdam for six months before the production of this movie? What, to get into character? <laughs> he was working on screenplay. This? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> horrible. Um, he says he realised the film would not turn out well when his crew arrived completely high on drugs at 4am on the first day. Well, right, that is that is disgusting, actually, because... I'm not disgusting. I don't know why I'm getting so indignant. Um, the fact that he was there for six months before, and yet there's not like a single Amsterdamian landmark used apart from like canals. Yeah, the canals is basically yeah. it's just canals, and it's that the other one is maybe that um, oh the, that the needle um, the, thing and the the, the uh, hall of manhors. Oh yeah, and the hall of man. Obviously, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> also the hall of manhors and the red light district. But, you know, there's nothing like a murder taking place in, not Anne Frank's house, that would be disrespectful, um, in the Rice Museum, something. <laughs> Imagine if they did that. Um, you know? I thought you were outraged that the crew showed up high on drugs. <laughs> no. They're like, how dare they? But, you know, they didn't, like, the only reason they're doing it in Amsterdam is because it's where there are sex workers and where there's weed, you know? Yeah. It could have been anywhere. Everywhere has sex workers in Europe. Everywhere has sex workers everywhere. But, but it's it's a little more legal, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, that's the joke, I guess. Like, that's why William Forsyth's character's not there. I really wish he was. Just even in, like, a cameo of him, I don't know, 
being in one of the windows or something. Or if he's if like uh, Juice is like, oh, I'm gonna call my friend, like I'm um, calling Al Pal in Die Hard Two. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, they've got to do that for Juice Bigelow Three because at this time they wouldn't have had camera phones that can do FaceTime. And in the next one, if it were filmed now, he could whip his dick out over the camera. Where do you think the next one would be set? Space. Space Gigolo. <laughs> Juice Bigelow. Martian Gigolo. I would just say Space Gigolo. Space Gigolo. <laughs> yeah. And then the one after that can be set deep under the sea. Juice Bigelow, Abyss Gigolo. Um, second place MVP mm. Ooh. is, um, Rachel is Disney. Disney. Why? Who well, initially were like, yeah, let's make a sequel. Mm. But And then they were like, well, we want to make it PG-13. <laughs> and... Uh, Sandler and Schneider were like, nah, fuck you. So they left that studio and took it to Sony, where it ended up. That's a bit of a fuck you to Sony, isn't it? Dumping them, yeah. lumping them with this film that then fucking shits the bed. And I mean, I, they use that R rating so well to use the word cunt twice. <laughs> I think that's the first time we've had that in a, that word in a... Um, oh yeah, that's true. Happy Madison movie. Do you like that word. But you see a couple of nipples as well. That's it. Yeah. Does that get you an R rating? Fine. I just thought I, I was really taken aback because you just don't hear that word much in a US. No, you might hear twat, but not cunt. It's quite, it's quite a full-on thing for them to say it twice. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> An old man says it at one point. <laughs> old men can say cunt if they want. I guess. Um, also, you know, third MVP Jean Van der Velde, who was offered the chance to direct it, but turned but, uh, it down. But he said that he found the script tasteless. <laughs> Good on him. I was all my all my MVPs are people who were against this movie. Yeah, perfect. And then, uh, yeah. Do you have an LVP? Do I have one? Yeah. <sighs> Amsterdam. <laughs> also Amsterdam for letting them film it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just gonna say Schneider because he wrote it. He starred in it. It's his project. It's horrible. I'm going to say Eddie Griffin. Ooh, interesting. I thought he was shit in this. <laughs> um, you really wish he I delivered did... those lines better. Those racist, no, I, I, sexist, I just, I just wish lines. he had better jokes. Um, well, that's not his fault. That's the script. I, I am sure he is riffing on this mm-hmm. film. Um, I, uh, I also hated the moment where he was like, I'm in blackface. Um, yeah, yeah, that was bad. Especially after he does whiteface in the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> the most terrifying moment of the first movie. I didn't quite get what he was doing. There's that one moment where he's dressed up again and he has, like, glasses, a weird haircut, and some buck teeth. Oh, he's just being a nerd, isn't it? Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. Because that... I mean, we'll get to it, but that... He's being Dwayne Dibley from Red Dwarf. Oh, because I mean, we'll get to One it, but that costume—the costume that he, <laughs> shut up—the costume that he's wearing in in that scene facially is basically everything that Rob Schneider will wear in a few years for his role in <laughs> "I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry." He probably wore it when he was recording his lines for Eight Crazy Nights. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So I was very confused about that. Um, the only one of his costumes I quite like was his robot costume. That was nice, because he, he, he could do the sounds, like the guy from Police Academy. He didn't do those sounds. No, I know. He wasn't doing those but sounds, Josh. in the world, in the universe of the film, he could do the sounds. Um, yeah, but I also, also the fact that apparently he was 
mean to people on set. Oh yeah, true. Um, just yeah, brings him down for me. Schneider is a good shout though. Like, um, even though he decided that this will be the last bad film I make. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but not the last offensive film. No, 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 no. Uh, good stuff. That's all I have to say on this one. I mean, I ha- there's a lot to say about it, but it's just none of it's good, and it's so hard, hard to just keep being negative about something. It really is. It really, really is. What a terrible world we live in. At least it didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> At least that. At least there isn't Juice Bigelow free. Um, it's so weird to like now have this in context with like seeing the first one so recently and being like, man, the first one is like a masterpiece in comparison. Yeah. It is better. One thing I wondered, actually. Uh, TJ's boat is called Pimp of the Sea. I didn't know that, but good. Is that a joke? Does it sound like something? Chicken of the Sea? <laughs> I guess sort of. That's a thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's tuna, isn't it? Chicken of the Sea. Chicken of the Sea always makes me think of... Chicken uh, of the Sea. Um, the... <laughs> <laughs> um, the Robin Williams Popeye movie <laughs> at the end when uh, Bluto, who has been painted yellow because he's scared and is swimming off, mm. you just have a little ADR line of Robin Williams going, here, chicken of the sea. Have I told you that that is my favourite Robin Williams movie? You have. You've mentioned it many, 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 it's many, much many times. better than Hook. We don't know that because I haven't seen... I think Robin Williams' best film is Bicentennial Man, and I will stand by that forever. How mean you are to this dead man. (laughs) I think his best film is Patch Adams. I think his best film is What Dreams Make That was going to be the next one I said. (laughs) I feel like all those films came out within a week of each other. I think his best film is Jack. (laughs) <laughs> God, you should be so happy that there's there is a film called Josh, isn't there? Or Joshua? Is there? There's a film called Joshua about a scary child being raised by Sam Rockwell. Oh, that sounds good. Oh yeah, there is. That sounds nice. <laughs> Box office. Is it Vera Farmiga as well? Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah um, and Michael McKean. Box office, $719,000. I believe it played at the Edinburgh Film Festival that I was at one year, and I did not go see it. Oh, fair enough. Well... Um, Robin Williams' best film is that one where he's got a radio, and he pretends that World War II is going all right. Good morning, Vietnam. No. Do you know this movie? The War of the Worlds. What is it called? It's like he, he it's it, he's it's basically like that life is beautiful film. Oh what? Um, he did one of those. Yeah, it's set like oh, during the Holocaust no. and he's like a man with a radio. Oh, I need to look up the what this Fisher film King. Called. No, the Fisher King's great. Shut your mouth. Um no, I'm just um, reading The Timekeeper to Wong hey. Fu. Thanks for everything. Jacob the Liar. Jacob the Liar. Course. Oh, that looks terrible. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I want. I want to just read the plot. 
Um, during World War II, an ordinary inhabitant of a ghetto fakes news about Allied offences to inspire hope for other victims of the Nazi regime. It's a film about fake news, Josh! Oh, no. <laughs> uh, okay. Should we stop talking about Robin Williams? And... I just, no, no, actually, I want to, I actually do think this is a good point to make. Yeah. I'm very glad that Rob Schneider never went down the route of I'm going to try and do my inspiring drama movie. Oh shit, true. Because it would have been Jacob the Lion. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'd like to see that, but I wonder what it would be. Jacob the Lion, Josh. No, but I mean what, I his, one, what his one would be. That's what it would be. He would remake Jacob the oh, Lion. Oh, he'd remake Jacob the Lion. I see. Yeah, everybody's crying for a fucking remake. Yeah. Well, he would enough. do something where he he like he'd do an underdog plays, film he, about an actor who gets cancelled because he can't wear blackface on stage anymore and then it's an inspirational story I think, no it would be something like that he'd, he, he, I think he'd be in a film where he plays like an Asian character but it'd be like a drama oh he'd remake the Karate Kid but he's Mr. Miyagi <sighs> they've already remade the Karate Kid <laughs> yeah but again and he does Kung Fu in that one. Mm. Um, Josh, how can people get in touch with you? They can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Letterboxd, and on other places at P-A-P-S-B-Y. Now in the public domain, P-A-P-S-B-Y. Sounds like Papsby and Gatsby. Mm -hmm. Where can people find you, Jacken? They can find me at JFG in Digital 3D across all the social media that you just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, um, that is still copywritten. <laughs> Digital 3D is still copywritten yeah. technology. Are you going to do anything now that that's in a... You know, you can do anything with that license. That's true. I'm going to cast Rob Schneider as Gatsby and <laughs> Adam Sandler as uh, the other one. Caraway? Nick Caraway? Is that Nick it? Nick Caraway. Yeah. Um I I I would love it actually if Sandler was like <laughs> I'm gonna do my own great Gatsby. Yeah. And cast out with people from my crew. Actually no, I Yeah, that would be really good. I want them to make the great Catsby and it be like an Aristocats type. So deal. I have I have come up with this one, but I call it the Great Meowsby. <laughs> just to fuck people up. Yeah, just because like you don't go for the obvious. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it would be about uh Jay Meowsby, who is a cat. Yeah. And you've got Nick Cataway. <laughs> yeah. Uh Daisy and Tom Buchanan. Buffalo Cannons. Oh I see. Oh so you're going down a Bojack thing. So not everyone's um, cats. Not everyone's cats. So Daisy is a cat, but she married a buffalo. Right. I see. Uh, yeah, no, I like it. Uh, what's her name? Myrtle. She'll be a turtle. <laughs> this, this is just this is just Bojack at this point. Um, Jordana uh, jo- uh, Conda Baker. Yeah. <laughs> She's a, an anaconda. Who plays golf? Yeah, she <laughs> is the golf stick. Fuck, that's really good. Um, um, yeah, I think I could pitch this to Disney. I think so. Get some songs going. Meowsby. A little party never yeah. hurt nobody. 
Gotta drive that yellow car, yellow, yellow, <laughs> yellow car. <laughs> just get Lord to do it. They can have the green light song. That's done. Um, the eyes of the optometrist <laughs> watch over us like spies. Oh. The eyes of the optometrist knows all our lies. Shot in the back and you're too late, darling. You give the American dream a bad name. TikTok, get to work on this. <laughs> get the musical going. Um and obviously, you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at True Hat Mad, at True Hat Mad Pod. Oh, just at True, at Hat, True Mad. Hat Mad. And uh, send us an email at truehatmad at gmail.com. Give us a. And please, please, for the love of God, it's 2021. Get off with a bang. Give us a review if you can, wherever you'll listen to this podcast. Make it five just, or more. Just- Five reviews. Five stars. Five stars. More than five words. Just don't, don't like come on there and be like, um, this podcast sucks. Like, uh, like um, Roger Ebert would be like. Yeah, because I don't have the money to take out a full page ad to say that you are the one who in fact sucks. But anyway, we really love you. Thank you for staying with us into this new year. Um, well done to our British listeners for taking our country back. And um... yeah, we didn't mention how this is, <laughs> how this film features in a post-Brexit world. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, it just makes me miss Europe and being a part of it, despite only one <laughs> section of it being on display and in a really horrible yes, way. Yes, but it's heavily populated by British people. Exactly. You know. Johnny Vaughan and Alex Zane just hanging out. And Rachel Stevens. And Rachel Stevens covered in shit. Rachel Stevens covered in shit. (laughs) Did you like her song in the end credits? I didn't listen. (laughs) As soon as this film ended, I was out. I was done. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, that's it, everybody. Uh, As always, as always... Josh, as always. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, as always what? (laughs) Josh, as always. Yeah. As always. (laughs) But it's you you do it. I don't do it. Mr. Schneider, your movie sucks. Oh, very good. That's very good. I love you big time, listeners. Goodbye. Oh, horseshit.